0: All right, folks, welcome in to a very special episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Brought to you by Superbook Sports, as we mentioned, partnered with Mile High Sports and also partnered with a very special guest who is now more than a guest, who is now more than just a special voice in the Twitter sphere, just a special voice with an awesome YouTube channel, in the YouTube sphere, we are partnering together with my friend Cam over here, and I am so excited to get this going because I think Nuggets fans deserve to hear Swipe's voice on the MHS platform as well. We are simulcasting to both his YouTube channel and the MHS YouTube channel at the same time, and I am really excited about the way that this is going to go. Swipe, are you excited, man? This is going to be so much fun.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited, man. I, I've been looking forward to this opportunity, you know, Ryan and I, as you all know, we worked together a couple of times, man, and I've obviously been a big fan of his work for years. I'm talking about since you was just doing the podcast and with, you know, so it's been, it's been great, man. I'm really excited. I'm really excited and thankful for Mile High Sports as well, um, the opportunity, man. I think the content that we're going to make is going to be really special, so I can't wait to get to it. It's going to be great.
0: Uh, we're obviously broadcasting this at noon on Sunday, and we are doing weekends with Swipe a Cam. This is going to be kind of the setup going forward for everything. Where I have one episode a week at least, at least for the rest of the season to air on the weekends. We're really excited to get this going because this is, I think, an, an area where uh, me I've definitely struggled with before. I I, I haven't had as much fun. In terms of being able to engage with the audience and being able to just enjoy. This basketball season, there's nobody that enjoys this more than swipe up. There's nobody that enjoys this more than getting into the discourse, understanding just how important it is to push a guy like Nikola Jokic and these Denver Nuggets, and showcasing just how great they can be. And there's no better way to do this than to, I think, combine us together and and, and have kind of my my analytical tone. My my I'm, I'm, I've been described as calm and reserved and. Uh, not necessarily as as boisterous and, and as fiery as somebody like Swiper is, so I'm hoping we get a good dynamic on this show. I have no doubt that this is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. You know, I think that we offer unique perspectives, and I think that um, you know you represent a part of the city, uh, the history of the city, and then I do as well. And I think you know being able to combine that's going to be really good. And you know, I think that our unique takes on the Denver Nuggets and really the NBA at large is going to really serve to some really great and instrumental conversations of how do you understand basketball on a game-by-game basis, but then, you know, the flow of the season and what that looks like. And then now, obviously, as we're gearing towards the end of the season, last 18 games, what this looks like leading into the playoffs and what are some playoff matchups you can look into, you know, what are some narratives and storylines you need to be aware of. So, yeah, I think it's going to be good, bro.
0: you do the narratives extremely well you do everything like this is going to be great i'm really looking forward to it we've got a really nice uh really nice pop-ups on on the youtube comments as well that's pretty cool uh this is going to be great i'm looking forward to all of the discourse that we're going to provide all the clips that are going to come out of this show where we're getting fiery we're getting uh all of these spread around and philly fans and milwaukee fans going to be so mad it's going to be great Uh, but in general, uh, just looking forward to it. We are going to now get into our flow. The flow of these podcasts are going to be as follows, folks. Because this is a weekend show, we're going to try to recap the week. We're going to try to get into a flow where we're going to talk about the week that was, a major topic in the middle, and then the week that will be. That'll be our three segments that we try to get into on a consistent basis. And we might flip some things around here or there, depending on what happens, but on these weekend shows, that's what you can expect from us. So swipe it. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the week that was, and we got to start with that Clippers game. I know it was on Sunday, but it's within the last 24 hours from when we're recording. We had the, the Clippers game that went into OT. We have the Rockets game this last Tuesday that Denver blew them out, and then you had the Grizzlies win on Friday where. Those games going three and zero during this stretch. I think these Nuggets have really turned a corner during these last this last week, and I think that they've proved it on a national audience as well.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that's been most interesting, you know, the Clippers adds up the All Star break. There were some GMs that were still saying the Clippers could be the favorite to come out of the Western Conference, and so with all the stuff that happened since they signed Russell Westbrook, now they've gone zero and five. But before all this, there was talk that they were going to end up being one of the elite teams in the NBA. And even fairly, I said they're going to be a top three seed when the season first started because of all the talent they had. So the Nuggets have already played them three times in three double-digit wins. And they had another opportunity to play them for the fourth time and close out the season series with a sweep. And everything that you could have asked for, there was high-level play. There was a playoff-level atmosphere. The superstars, they were going down the stretch of the fourth quarter, basket for basket, And the other players, the other guys, the role players and the other stars, they had to step up and they had to make plays and execute down the stretch. You saw that from Jamal Murray, you saw it from KCP, and you saw it in a huge way from Michael Porter Jr. And you got a chance to see the Denver Nuggets when they get into a situation where they need to rely on shot making, defense and execution. You saw it again versus Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday. So it was a really, really, really uh, terrific matchup last week.
0: I gotta love it where Denver faces adversity. They they haven't really faced adversity a ton this year. Where you, you go forty five and nineteen on the season, and you're gonna have some blowout wins in there. But Denver has also scraped out some wins where you're going up against these really tough teams. And I think you saw that both against the Clippers and against the the Memphis Grizzlies where things didn't go perfectly. Things didn't go well for this team. And yet they were able to pull it out and they did it in different ways with the Clippers. They couldn't really stop the Clippers, but they outscored them and Jokic who Richard Jefferson was complaining on Friday night that he wasn't scoring as much as he need to. Jokic was coming off of putting up 40 on the Clippers in OT. And like that, that's still a thing that he can do, obviously, And then they won with defense against Memphis, where they hold that team, to 97, that is a crazy number. And now they've done it twice to the Grizzlies in Denver. So I like that they can win in different ways. And I like that they can win in explosive ways, both like I think on the court, but also narratively.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed Ryan is that they played the Clippers, they played the Rockets, and they had this huge kind of, Last chance matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies, where if you win this game, you can really shut the door for the most part on the first seed. So to go into Houston. And again, you know, there were some points in that game where Houston kind of made it a little bit of a game. But granted, they're a very young roster. Coaching can be up and down at times. So you expected them to pull out that win, which they did. Only took a 14-point triple-double from Jokic. So not a lot was needed. And then obviously Jamal Murray had a good game. but And then versus Memphis, this was all about not just setting a narrative, but also setting the tone for the number two seed in the Western Conference. As good as you are, and as good as you might think that you are, when we decide to turn up, and this is what I love, Ryan, they're in the game, and they started off 0 of 11 from 3, and yet they're making it a five-point game, six-point game. And then by the time half comes around, it's 58 to 50 Memphis over the Nuggets, and it's an eight-point game. And it got to an 11-point game in the third quarter. But we've seen the Nuggets time and time again this year where even if they're down by double digits, if there's enough time on the clock, you really can't get comfortable with Denver because they're eventually going to start to hit their stride. KCP makes a play. Aaron Gordon makes a play. Jokic makes a play. Murray makes a play. Porter makes a play. Bruce Brown is making play. Defense starts to pick up. And next thing you know it's an 80-80 game to close out the third quarter. And then Ryan, 33-17. to 17 finish in the fourth quarter. It was tremendous. It was one of the most impressive
0: wins of the year. And to do it in that situation and and making sure that you you really kind of stamp what you are as a playoff contender. And then I think that you see the difference between a team like Memphis and a team like Denver, that when the pressure gets ratcheted up and both teams are really going for it, Denver had that extra gear and Memphis just didn't. I think that the Clippers, it's kind of the same thing where you you have both of those teams and both of those matchups and Denver just dug deep and they found that. I really do think that Jamal and Nicola are the crux of that, where you're going to have everybody else, uh, everybody who's filling in their role admirably. I think Michael Porter Jr. obviously had a great week and we, we should mention that for sure. But I do think that when Jamal is locking in the way that he is making those baskets in that fourth quarter... And then Nicola kind of shuts the door against the Clippers and and does it in so many different ways. Both of those guys have that mentality and it's kind of that resiliency mentality that they had back in 2020 in the bubble. And they're just going to outlast you. They're just going to go to that eighth round in boxing. They're going to go to what, how, they're going to go to the distance. That's just who they are as players. And it's who this team is, I think.
1: Ryan, I have a question for you, brother. So I think, The difference is, you know, you brought up that great 2020 run, and I think a lot of people missed that in that game five-ish of the Western Conference first round versus the Utah Jazz, one of the game-changing pieces was Gary Harris, because defensively, when he actually came back into the lineup after injury, he really changed the tone for what the different Nuggets were able to do. And, Ryan, I think that what's helped them is that not only do I think they arguably, even though the Kings have the best offense on paper, I think the Nuggets have the clear best offense in the NBA. And again, if the Kings don't score 176 points versus the supposable formidable defense, Los Angeles Clippers, they wouldn't be there. But for me is not only do you have the offensive ceiling of I think the greatest offensive player in the NBA right now with Murray, with Porter, and even with Gordon, but I think their defensive ceiling is higher than it's ever been. And so when you need to not just get stopped, but Ryan, when you need to shut the door defensively, they're able to do that in ways I don't think they have been. So for you, like, do you think a part of what made them such a formidable clutch team, such a formidable fourth quarter team and a home team is their defensive ability to raise their ceiling when the time comes? Well, it's never been a problem to score, right? This team, they've
0: they've never had issues with that. Jokic is all it's he's a cheat code. I mean, it took it took losing his two best scorers around him and not having a great fitting roster around him to lower the team to sixth in offensive rating. <laughs> like, they, they are an elite offense, and you're never going to never gonna hear anybody question that. But the defensive rating and, and the ability to lock in in the clutch, their first in defensive rating in the clutch this year, they have a great fourth quarter defensive rating. Anytime the games really, truly matter to them, they've locked in on the defensive end, and they can do it throughout the game. It doesn't necessarily have to be all the time. Because their offense is so good, they pick and choose their spots. Again, like a boxer, Where you don't necessarily have to go full bore for the entire time or else you're going to tire yourself out. This team, they pick and choose their spots and know when to lock in. And you're right, because they have that gear, because they've shown that gear, I have so much more belief in them being able to do it when the time comes in the playoffs they know when they're gonna to have to lock in. They had to lock in during that 2020 run in game five of the of the Western Conference first round. And if they don't do it then, then they're never going to do it. And so I, I just believe in the in the mentality and the ethos of this team and understanding what it takes to win at the highest level.
1: And I think maybe the biggest proponent of that is Contavious Caldwell Pope. And I know you remember when the Denver Nuggets were 28 ranked defense in the NBA at the time when we I asked was, him. I he, was furious, my guy. I was furious. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like,
0: how is this Yeah, possible? Michael
1: Malone says they're going to be top five, and then you're the bottom two in the NBA, basically. Right. And so I think KCP said at the time, like, you have to commit to playing defense. you got to play connected to play elite-level defense. And Ryan, I don't think anybody embodies that maybe better than KCP because some of those stops that he had on John Moran on Friday were ridiculous. Like his ability to shuffle his feet, his ability to draw offensive fouls by getting over screen, by staying connected as a defender. And then he had that foul, defensive foul, when John Morant ended up trying to cross him over. And then because his leverage was so good, he ends up hitting his neck versus his body and gets called for a foul. But it's a clear stop. KCP has been a tone setter for the Denver Nuggets. And while, again, because of traditional defense, you've got Jokic and Aaron Gordon that are anchoring the defense having KCP on the perimeter with Jamal Murray and then with Bruce and then with Christian Brown, they just have a, like a level of grit and toughness that they haven't necessarily had. And I think one of the things that when I watch basketball across the league, I actually think that Denver Nuggets are one of the more physical teams in the NBA. Now, they might not play like heavy foul aggressive. They might not get into the lane as much as you would want them to. But again, when you get into the fourth quarter, The reading is so difficult to score often because you've got people like KCP on the perimeter and he's going to do whatever he has to to make the job hard for you.
0: 100%, man. I I loved what Michael Porter had to say about him after the Friday night game where he called him maybe his favorite role, like his favorite player that he's ever played with, his favorite teammate that he's ever played with uh, just because of this year. It's been so brief that those guys have shared the court together and yet KCP's made such an impact and you love it when guys understand what the team is trying to do and are willing to buy in. Michael Mullins talked about sacrifice. Everybody has sacrificed. Nikola Jokic has sacrificed shot attempts. Jamal Murray has sacrificed being an all-star. Mm-hmm. AG has sacrificed shot attempts. Michael Porter sacrificed shot attempts. KCP, he talked like Michael Porter talked about on Friday night, how KCP has a larger bag on the offensive end than he's actually giving credit for, and he doesn't show it because the team doesn't need him to. There will be times where he might have to break it out, but to me, I really do think that that mentality, that sacrifice mentality, also plays into his dog mentality for really getting into people on the defensive end because that is what the team needs right now, and right. I think that that will be that will play out going forward, and it's one of the reasons why I just have so much confidence in this group.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly the same, and I think again, you know, we're going to see it. There's some really tough matchups that are coming up. Now the Nuggets are going to have some room to play uh, because they have a they have a six game lead, Ryan. But because of the tiebreaker, do you look at, look at it more like a seven game lead? Because even if they tie, they're still going to have the, the, the tiebreaker bench.
0: I I think so. Yeah. I mean, let me let me just pull up the standings here real quick so I'm not screwing this up. Yeah, Denver's got a well they have a five game lead in the loss column above Memphis right now, and which technically is six because Memphis has lost that tiebreaker. So you know that they have to win one more game than Denver. So it's technically six because Memphis hasn't played as many games. Uh, but right now, I, I just think Denver, they're, they're in a great spot where you know that they can be a little bit more flexible with this. And then, like you said, they're, they're going to have plenty of
1: room, plenty of room to operate. Right. So, yeah, so, you know, again, you got good matchups coming up, and I think their defense is going to be have some real tests going forward.
0: Hopefully so. Uh, before – before we head to a break here, I want you. We're going to forecast the playoff picture real quick. I'm going to ask you a brief question. Memphis is two, Sacramento's three, Phoenix is four, Golden State's five, Dallas six, Minnesota seven, LA eight. Uh, the Clippers eight. Of those teams, which guy or which which team are you looking at to see? Who? When are they going? Where are they going to finish? What are they going to look like? And where, how is Denver going to prepare for the first round or for the first round, second round, conference finals against that team? Which team are you are
1: you most watching? Where are they finish in the standings? Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's easily the Suns. Um, yeah, I think just because the level of talent they have, but I personally do think that the Suns because they play the Kings twice, twice over the next couple of weeks, they could move into that three seed. And so if you get an opportunity for them to move into the 3C, that could potentially be forecasting if Denver take care of their business, the Western Conference finals. And if they don't, meaning if Phoenix doesn't move into the 3C, then they're going to be playing you in the second round more than likely. Or if it gets real nasty, right, it's going to be the Phoenix Suns versus the Golden State Warriors for the narrative of all narratives in the first round. So imagine if Kevin Durant loses to Steph Curry in the first round. With a brand new super team, quote unquote, I'm telling you, it will be real nasty. So it's absolutely Phoenix Suns because I think that given the talent level, I think that they're probably going to be one of the most, if not the most, them and the Warriors, the most formidable competition you can see in the playoffs.
0: I think you're probably right. I'm going to say Golden State just because I do think that the Suns are going to continue to rise no matter what. Just with the talent that they have, those guys aren't going to get hurt. Like, I think that the way that they play and the chemistry that they play, the suns are going to rise pretty, pretty clearly. uh, As long as the Kings don't have anything to say about it, which they certainly could, but golden state, I'm thinking about if they finish in that four or five, it wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if they finish sixth because the, the playoff picture is just so jumbled up right now. If they do finish sixth and Phoenix, Phoenix finishes three, that's probably the best chance that Denver has to, get to an NBA Finals just because you pit those teams against each other and you make sure that, hey, the two toughest matchups for Denver in the Western Conference, one of them is going home. That would be Mm -hmm. the best possible situation for Denver. Although part of me also thinks if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best in Denver. It would be so sweet. It would be so awesome if they could stick it to both of those teams that
1: eliminated them each of the last two seasons. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Just for the fact that you can say you did it, if you could beat – the Clippers in the first, Warriors in the second, and Suns in the third, and then you just imagine—you just imagine how quickly the narrative would change about the Nuggets. Oh man, and just who who cares about the East at that point? Like you, <laughs> you get
0: through that West, and and it don't it don't matter. You're winning the title. It's would be crazy. Right. So, all right, hey, tell you what, let's take our first break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the MVP race and all of the the drama that has been surrounding that. But first. This podcast, folks, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boost and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Axe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Swipe a cam. We are doing this over the weekends. Everybody, we've got plenty of folks in the comments section. Everybody, make sure to go give this a like. Make sure to share this out. Subscribe to both of our channels, both the Swipe a cam YouTube channel and the MHS YouTube channel. This is being simulcast on both. So, really exciting for this pairing. Really excited for the direction that this is going to go. And now, Swipe a, we are excited to talk about this the mvp race everything and anything to do with the mvp race we're not going to do this every single week because i feel like if we do it every single week it's just going to get you know more saturated than it already is but i do think that this is important for your audience and for my audience and for anybody that's kind of following the nuggets and nicole jokic to really understand this mvp race has been pretty dramatic it's been to the point where there's a lot of wild takes that have been thrown out there uh both for Jokic and against Jokic although I don't really think that the the wild for Jokic takes are that crazy where he's averaging a triple double he's on the one seed he's 70% true shooting they're the best team in the west and have been the most consistent team in the west he's played the most games it shouldn't really be that dramatic And, and it's it's not hard to make the case for Nikola, I don't think. The problem is that when everybody is looping in the three-time MVP narratives, it, I think, convolutes the conversation. And it feels Mm -hmm. like everybody is just doing their best to take down Nikola Jokic over the course of these last few weeks.
1: Yeah. I personally think it's funny. I think that every year there's a new excuse. You know, the first year, he played 51 games. If he plays more, he would have won. The next year, he's the sixth seed, not fair, all that. This year, Jokic, the the standard was before the season. If he averaged a triple-double, something crazy like 70% true shooting, something crazy that this mid-team that's really not that good, quote-unquote, if they're the first seed, and all three of those things happen, and what happened was instead of just embracing the greatness that is Jokic, it became what – it's actually benefiting him and ailing other players. That's allowing him to have a step up in the race. Now, whether the first two years it was analytics and the people that have propped up analytics were using analytics to make Jokic's MVP case illegitimate. And then it moved to as a two weeks ago, when a Tim Bontem poll came out and 77 people voted him first overall. Now it's because he's white. And so I'm just like, all right, it's just, it's, it's the analytics. Is he's white, he's a media darling in Denver, Colorado, by the way, the the wonderful basketball city that it is over a big market like Philly and all that, right? And the narrative continues to shift because I think people genuinely are struggling with how do we identify with Jokic as a historically great player when he was never stamped as a blue-chip prospect out of the draft like a lot of players were. Giannis is having an incredible year, 31-12. Five. It's efficiency gone up over the last couple, last month and a half, it will. And B's averaging 33, 10, and 4 on 64% true shooting, 86% from the free throw line. That's asinine. And he's been a top 10 defender in the NBA this year. So there are multiple. Jason Tatum averaging 30 points a game on decent efficiency, around 60% true shooting. He's been a good defensive wing. He's inconsistent at times, but they've been number one for most of the year. So there are four legitimate players, including Luca, But Luka is obviously in a worse situation that I think all have an argument. But the issue is, is I don't have to, like, point at Giannis as the running dunk man to illegitimize his MVP candidacy. I don't have to call Joe Owen B the free throw merchant. Those are great players. Those are all Hall of Fame-level players in their prime. So I think the thing is, the narrative about Jokic, because there's no real basketball attacking point, Ryan, the reason why people are attacking stuff that is so dumb, like stat padding and him being wide and analytics is because you can't actually pick at a game because you're a plus 14 when he's on the court and they've won 75% of the games he's played in this year, Ryan. 75%. So I think people don't have a basketball argument. So I think the narrative has shifted to things that we can make up because it makes it easier to deal with what's happening with in front of us. Let's go over the stat padding one real quick.
0: I've had takes where, I've had takes where, and and I've I've acknowledged that. Look, sometimes they leave him in to get that tenth assist. Like sometimes that happens when when they probably it's it's like a minute too long. It's like okay, it's it's a little bit in doubt, but not really in doubt. You could probably have pulled him. You could probably like it looks like okay, he's really trying to get the tenth. He's really trying to uh, make make sure that 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 barrier is crossed, but not necessarily out of his own personal self interest. I think he just wants to. Like, it's it's part of greatness, right? It's part of where he, he just had a hundred triple double. Like it's it's now Jazz's 101st triple double, uh, having played against the Memphis Grizzlies over this this last weekend. He has been fantastic. He has played the right way. 25 and 0. When he goes for this triple double and actually gets it, and there have been several times this year that people don't really talk about in the national media where he has finished an assist short. He has finished a rebound short. Sometimes he doesn't get the points. <laughs> it just Sometimes he just, he just decides, I would prefer not to shoot in this game and we'd like to get everybody else their numbers. It's not necessarily to get him assists. A lot of it is just, hey, I want to get Jamal going. I want to get Mike going. I want to get Aaron his numbers. He was trying to get Aaron into the All-Star game. like Everybody was. I, I do think that a lot of this stat padding narrative comes down to, man, it would be really cool if Jokic got this for his own MVP conversation. But that's not like that's not the stat padding that Joker's going for. He wants to get everybody else their numbers. It's not about him assist make two people happy. Come on. Like this is it should be easy to be able to dispel this and he plays the right way every single time, never looking to make somebody look like an idiot on on the basketball court. He's trying to do things the right way and to see that like to see his integrity questioned
1: over something like this is just Horrible. Yeah, to your point, remember he had that game in Chicago where he scored eight points, had six rebounds and 14 assists, right. and it was a blowout. It was it awesome. Was a blowout. <laughs> but, but Jokic has always been this way, Brian. Didn't last year we just watched Jokic versus Giannis in the books when he had no Murray Porter? Didn't he have like 18, 15, and 10 in three quarters? And then remember versus Portland, he had like 10 points, 18 rebounds and double-digit assists. That's just how he plays. But if you're wanting to be a casual, and I, and I mean you're choosing to be a casual, and you want to attack him for a lower shot profile, well, dude, go back to 2017 because he's been doing it ever since he was about that age. That's just the way he played. He wants to make the right play. And for me, Ryan, the thing that frustrates me most is I understand that you didn't pick him. I understand you did not expect him to become this player, right? Neither did I, and you, neither did you. No one ever said he was gonna be a three-time MVP and potentially, by the way, he could win more. <laughs> but I think this, oh this is a part of the issue. But no, but this is what I mean, Ryan, and I genuinely want your takes here. Because say everything happens the way the Nuggets wanted to happen this year. Say they, they win the MVP, they go to the finals, they either win or they lose to the finals, whatever. Jokic, because of how durable he is, and because the Nuggets are gonna get better, this is going to be a consistent thing because when Jordan didn't win, when 93, what happened? Charles Barkley had the first seed, crazy numbers, played more games. And then you had in 98 when Karl Malone won, Jordan, they stepped down in the standing. and Karl Malone and them shot up the board for the Utah Jazz and they won the MVP award over. So what I'm saying is if the Denver Nuggets are consistently good and they keep churning out wins with a healthy roster and Jokic is continuing to do what he's doing, right? this isn't going to stop until he wins a championship. So this is what I mean. If the public doesn't certify you, the media doesn't certify you as that guy, you have to certify yourself with a ring. And so once he does that, I think that's where everything changes. But right now, because he was the 41st overall pick, because people thought Anthony Davis was better than him up to 2020, people think to this day Joe Owen Bede is still better than him, even though the past two and now three MVPs hopefully will be selling another story. There will always be people that will have this narrative about you until you get it done. And to the point, in the playoffs, he's averaging over 30, 13, and 5 on good efficiency in the last 15 games, which is the two playoff runs. But he's 1-8, everybody brings up, as if you didn't have Faku Compasso and Austin River starting in some of these backcourts, you know. So I think until the winning happens at the highest level, the narrative will only continue to get worse. I'm with you. I do think that the game that they played
0: on January 28th between Jokic and Embiid, that Definitely set a lot of the narratives. It definitely set a lot of the discussion points around okay, maybe Jokic isn't as good as his numbers say. Maybe because he can't guard Embiid in space, because it's not like Embiid isn't a fantastic player in his own right, that that they couldn't do it. Let it let it be known that Embiid couldn't guard Jokic either. They literally took him off of the dude. (laughs) They literally could not like have that go because it was a 15-point margin. And they decided, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go a different direction with this. Because even a top 10 defender, in your own right,
1: right. could not guard Joker. So by that logic, Ryan, with what we just saw from the Bucks in 76ers, did James Harden, not a leading MVP candidate, over Giannis <laughs> and Joe B, but he had 38, 10, and 9, and he was the best player on the court. But that's what I mean. Like, if we're just doing single-game sample sizes, we just saw Julius Randle just absolutely smoke the Miami Heat. So, but this is what I mean. It's like, it has to be about your overall body of work over the course of a season. And Embiid, since that 47-18 game, he didn't come up too well yesterday, missing two late-game free throws. And he also has some other games that he didn't play well and finish the game strong either. So my whole thing is that if you're going to hold one to high esteem because of one game, then it needs to continue to happen. But that just process makes no sense anyway. So I just think that, again, a lot of this is just picking at Jokic, picking at Murray, picking at Porter, picking at Gordon, picking at Malone because they had not won. I do think that the race is still
0: undecided. That, that to me, I, even though there were 77 first place votes for Joker, I think he was the clear front runner at that point. And I, I've made mention of this on, on previous podcasts, previous shows, that Embiid still has an opportunity to close the gap. And, and so does Giannis, by the way. If those guys play well, uh, obviously Giannis has been on a tear and the, the Bucks have been on a tear for so long, but there's no doubt that, that they could win. Like, and and it would be deserved if they earned it and, and they have opportunities to earn it, especially in Denver, March 25th between Bucks Nuggets, March 27th between Sixers Nuggets. Like Those matchups will matter in this. And if Joker does defend home court, like I think that he will, and if the Bucks and if the Sixers don't necessarily show up in the way that they did on their own home courts against the Nuggets, then there is a massive possibility that that narrative... Uh, that Jokic maybe maybe isn't as good as these guys head-to-head, right. that could be completely dispelled on Denver's home court. And it would be amazing. It would be right. one
1: of those things that you just live for as a Nuggets fan. You know what's going to happen. Jokic, just to smite everyone, is going to have 10 points, 15 rebounds, and 14 assists in a win. And oh, yeah. it's just – and is going to have 30. Giannis will have 30. And we are going to have this dumb argument again because he doesn't care. And like, I think a part of this comes down to how you understand fundamental basketball. Are you just using counting stats, and raw data? Like, there has to be a part of the storytelling. But I agree with you. I think the narrative is going to be very strong. But again, the Nuggets are twenty-seven and two in Denver when Jokic plays. It's pretty good. That's going to be a pretty big hump to overcome. Yeah, it's going to be
0: fascinating. It does seem like Denver, like like we talked about in the last segment, just has an extra gear, and they will get up for that one. They know how much it matters. They know how much it matters to Joker, not necessarily from a a personal, selfish MVP kind of standpoint, but just from hey, you guys are you guys in the national media are like, dispelling my character. You are you are trying to take me down. What are we doing? Is it because I'm white? Is it because I stab head? Like, come on. Let's go get a W is probably what they're going to go for. And and I think that that is going to be both of those games back to back are just going to be epic and it's going to be a lot of fun and I cannot wait to potentially have this uh, have this go. So, all right, looks like we've uh we've lost Swipe here real quick. Uh, let's see if he let's see if he pops back in. Um, for everybody else, uh, I do think that this is going to be a crazy time. We are ex- Oh, there he is. Uh, this is going to be a crazy time for the Nuggets. It's going to be a crazy time for Nuggets fans. Don't get too caught up in all of the discourse. Don't get too caught up in all of that because the Nuggets have higher plans than just for a third MVP, even if it is meaningful
1: to a lot of people. Right. Yeah, I agree. So it's going to be good. right? I'm excited. Um, I am not – uh, as high on MVP race anymore because of the last two weeks and really two and a half weeks. So it is what it is. I do think Joker's going to win just because of how late in the season the straw poll was. And I think in the six years, Bontemps has done it. It's never changed uh, from the last straw poll to come out. And I think, again, it's not like Joker's just stopped winning. He's kept winning. And he's beaten, who, he's beaten the Memphis Grizzlies, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And who do they beat? And the Clippers. And then I think those are the three. They played four times, right, since the All-Star break? Um, well, I think, yeah, I think, no, I think like Houston too. too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So they've been winning again, good team since then. So we'll see.
0: We will see. It should be a lot of fun. Uh Tell you what, let's take another break on, on the audio side. When we come back, we are going to go over this next week, going to share some, some general thoughts and we're going to do it. We're going to debut a new segment, folks. Uh Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to, we're going to have a good time with it. We will be right back. Swipe a Cam here. Weekends with Swipe Ryan Blackburn here on the Pickaxe and Roll feed. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, for everybody tuning in. We've got a large audience on the on the Sunday afternoon. This is crazy. Thank you guys so much for hopping in with us. Uh, doing doing really well here. We're going to have a good time with this. Uh, so Blanco says the dream team. Thank you very much for for that. Much love, guys. Much love. Uh, Let's get into this upcoming week swipe, but we've got some interesting games for the Nuggets, although it does really slow down over the course of these next couple until those aforementioned games against Milwaukee and against Philly on March 25th and March 27th in three weeks. Uh, This next week, Denver's going to play three home games and then one road game in the middle, which is just a a jaunt over to San Antonio. Uh, They play Toronto at home. They play Chicago at home. They play San Antonio on the road, and they play Brooklyn at home. Some interesting Eastern Conference teams there that are kind of all in that same tier right now, where you're not really sure who they are, you're not really sure what you, what you're figuring from them. Which of those games do you have your eyeballs on, and which which of them would you would you circle for Nuggets
1: fans to really pay attention to? Well, Jamal Murray made four three pointers last game, correct? I believe versus Memphis. Oh no,
0: I, I think it was way lower than that. I think uh, I think it was like. Two or, or something, something. No, I think I
1: think I think Porter made two. He was two of seven. Murray, I think, was four of eight. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. No, you're, I, you're real right. You remember better than I. Right. So, I think he's seven away from the record. I want to, I want to say something yeah. like that. Yep. Uh, so I think home in Toronto, will, will, will Barton come back in town? Do you think Jamal Murray will gun for it and try to see if he can hit seven? I would love
0: to see that. I, I love it when Jamal takes those personally. I love it when he has an opportunity. Uh, just going back through the box score here, Jamal did make four, so he is seven away from the franchise record for made threes for a career. Uh, that is going to be a fun time, and with Will Barton just being—he was bought out by Washington, picked up by Toronto, has played in, in multiple games since that buyout, so he's he's a part of things there. Going to be interesting, mm-hmm. and I do think that. If those guys line up against each other, maybe when Murray staggers with the bench and and Will Barton's out there, those guys will guard each other. They'll have a good time with it. And I do think that Jamal will be in his ear on that, saying, I am going to go get this tonight. I am going to go get this, and you are going to have to watch. And it's going to be playful, and it's going to be fun. But I do think that those guys, because of the good relationship that they have, will get a kick out of seeing Jamal put up 12 threes in order to try to get seven.
1: Yeah, and also, too, you know, the Toronto Raptors have been a slightly different team since they got Jacopoto. Um, he's been playing really well. Um, he's a good defender. Offensively, he's had a couple of good games as well. So, having Ojen and Obi Pascal Siakam, that's a good defensive front court. And we'll see, you know, how the different Nuggets decide they want to handle that. Jokic has had his way with Jakob in the past, including in the playoffs in 2019 to now. Uh, so, we'll see how that matchup looks. Uh, and then, Ryan, they got the Chicago Bulls, and you know, Zach Levine's another one of those, like, Jamal Murray players. I think about, like, another player that's, like, he got a level been so far in his career, but in the playoffs, I think you, you can argue that Jamal's been better. But I think that, like, Zach Levine's another nice matchup for Jamal Murray to go after with Jamar DeRozan on the court as well. Uh, hopefully, future nugget Alec Caruso uh, is going to be playing during that game. Patrick Williams and then obviously Booch. So that's going to be another good matchup to get another Eastern Conference win. Again, the Bulls are not playing super well, but they can still surprise you at times. And so they just got done playing the Suns and got pretty handily beat. So that's going to be a good matchup. Uh, Then you're playing against uh, Jeremy Sohan, and you're playing against the Spurs. And, I mean, again, long team, Devin Fussell, not a good team. They've been losing a lot, but, again, another great opportunity uh, and that looks like it's going to be with the Brooklyn Nets ending off the week. Uh, I don't know if you've been watching, uh, but Mikael Bridges just dropped another 40 ball on another great defense. He did it versus the Miami Heat and Timmy Butler, and then he did, uh, did it again versus Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics. So Wild. that's going to be a serious mashup with a bunch of wings. So I'm actually really excited for this next week.
0: There's going to be a lot of – I think it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable at ball arena obviously they don't have to have they don't have to play the spurs here they get to play the spurs in san antonio that'll be a good show for the san antonio fans i think but uh, in general it should be a lot of fun to go up against these various matchups and uh, that toronto game with Pertl is now there he's going to be the starting center going against jokic that should be a, a good battle between those two and the way that they switch the way that they switch on the perimeter should be very interesting for jamal as well although if they do have a, a non-switchable five in Purtle, wouldn't surprise me if Jamal still goes off in that particular game. Uh, but the Chicago one, as you mentioned, you're going to have KCP guarding Zach Levine. You're going to have Aaron Gordon, if he's healthy, and, and if everybody stays healthy, uh, guarding DeMar DeRozan. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I do think that the last time that Chicago came to Denver, they put on a major show. Uh, it's a little bit different now. It was, it was back in November right. last year. Uh, for last season, and it was a game that I think Jokic had to sit out uh, due to suspension yeah, after did. the Markeef Morris thing, if I'm not mistaken, but there's just a lot. There's a lot to think about with this group. There's a lot to think about with some of these teams coming in. There's talent on these teams, and it's one of the reasons why a lot of them are considered disappointments. Toronto, obviously, with Pascal, OG, Scotty Barnes, kind of a little bit disappointing, even though he's still good, but but not a little bit disappointing. Uh, I think Brooklyn, the way that things went was disappointing. But like you mentioned, Mikael Bridges, that's a lot of fun to watch now. And those fans, are, I'm sure, are having a nice little treat, not having the pressure that comes with the, the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving saga. But we'll see, man. We'll see. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, real quick, non-Nuggets game of the week. I have Milwaukee at Golden State on Saturday, March 11th on ABC. There's a couple of games that I could have gone with, including a Golden State versus Memphis game. But I do think that this one should be really fun for Nuggets fans to watch just because you get to see an MVP candidate and a a title contending team in Giannis go up against a returning Steph Curry, who should be playing today uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Should be very fascinating to see those teams go at it. I think it should be interesting to see how Golden State handles Giannis because I think that reflects kind of how they'll go at Jokic again.
1: Yeah, it's funny if you listen to uh, some people in the Golden State camp, they have a pretty partic- they have an interesting take on Giannis's overall game. They think he's very good, but I think I do wonder with Jonathan Kaminga, Traymond Green, Cabon Looney, how they're going to defend him and see if they're going to build a wall around him or not. Maybe Andrew Wiggins will be back available for that game. So again, they're on a mission. Klay Thompson's looked really good since Steph has been out. So if you have Klay, you got Jordan, you got Steph. You know, how are the Milwaukee Bucks with Drew Holiday and apparently Grayson Allen is actually Reggie Miller. We just didn't realize it because he had 20 points in the third quarter yesterday.
0: So they're going to have a lot
1: of good defenders to throw at Steph Curry and them. So I think this is going to be a really interesting game. And again, if the Warriors, they end up running through the West, that legitimately could be a finals finals opportunity as well. So it's going to be, it should be a really good game for everybody's healthy.
0: It's interesting because I think a lot of people still think that that could happen. Still think that Golden State could put this together and it doesn't matter what happened over the first 60 games when Steph, Clay, and Draymond play together, they're generally unstoppable. And I understand that logic because it's been borne out over a full decade now. So I get it. I do understand. The only teams that have really stopped them are, are LeBron uh, with the Cavs and the Toronto Raptors when Clay got hurt and, and KD went down too. So. Right. It's crazy to think about. I do think that when those guys are all healthy, it, it makes them so difficult and so dangerous. And it's one of the reasons why I, I'm watching them in the standings and trying to think, okay, where are they going to finish versus where Phoenix is going to finish? How is that going to affect the entire bracket? It's something that Nuggets fans should keep an eye on. But I, I do think I have a lot of respect for Golden State the way that they are extremely dangerous. We will see.
1: Right. I agree. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we got from response curve. I really want the Nuggets to beat a healthy Warriors, so the Nuggets can get their respect. Yeah. You know what? Even if they do it, they're gonna make up excuses that the Warriors couldn't win on the road uh, this season. So until you win a ring, it's not gonna happen. I'm trying to tell you. And they're gonna, you know, what they said last year, you know, Jokic had the great game. Well, they don't have a real center. So again, that's that's just the way it goes. Um, but I think it's gonna be really good week. And by the way, Ryan, I don't know if you know this. Well, of course you know this because you're Ryan Blackbird. Um, <laughs> The Denver Nuggets are 7-1 in their last eight games with four winnable games coming up this week. Ryan, before we go, do you think that there's an opportunity that they can extend their three-game win streak to a possible seven? I think it's possible.
0: Although one of my like, – this is a great segue, actually, to Takes From the Future. Um, I thought that – so this is – Takes From the Future is what we're going to be – we're going to do this every week. We're going to talk about, hey, what is going to happen this upcoming week? that we're then going to be talking about on the next show. I think the nuggets are going to lose one of these games at home. I think it's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of hysteria. There's going to be a lot of drama. People are going to laugh at the nuggets when, when Jokic only has 18 points on 15 shots and somebody like Nick Claxton just, just does a great thing against them. And and maybe, maybe that's what happens where they lose to Brooklyn on this, this upcoming Sunday. And then we have to talk about that and we're going to have to, Experience that narrative where, where oh man, I can't believe that Jokic didn't didn't really lift them up over the nets. How could he? But that's that's my take from the future. That's what's going to happen. They will have a six game winning streak heading into that Brooklyn game. People are going to watch it and they're going to see Jokic only have 18 points and like four assists or something like that, and they're going to think, man, what a non MVP. How could he? How
1: dare he have a, a bad game? Or they win all four games, and instead of giving Jokic and them the love, what they're going to say is they're going to up the ridiculous takes to, all right, Jokic is winning because he's white, to Jokic is winning because he's an alien. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to have to hear that because he's not a human being and he's actually a super super computer, mm. that's why he's dominating the MVP race, and then that's why the numbers are so outrageous. So uh, future prediction is I'm going to go the opposite of you. I'm going to say if everybody's healthy and they actually play everyone, they're going to win all four games. And we're going to come back this time next Sunday. Man, we got a nice win streak going. Seven-game win streak heading into the next show would be awesome.
0: It would be great for all the narrative discussion, great for all the the, the extra curriculars that are going on on this. But in general, I I do think that the Nuggets are stamped. I I don't think that there's anything that they can do – between now and the end of the season where it's really going to change my opinion of them. Uh, It would be like, let's say they fold against the bucks and the Sixers and the Suns when they go on the road or something like that. Then I'd be like, okay, this is a little bit bad, but in general, I I do think that they're stamped unless, unless something weird happens. and, And I just don't expect that to happen. I expect them to defend home court. I expect them to play a strong game. And even if they lose a random one to the Nets, I think that'll make them even more hungry against some of these other title contending
1: teams. Right. Yeah, I agree. So it's going to be fun. right? I'm really excited, man. I I think that people are going to get great content from us on the weekends and, and also, you know, maybe more during the week as well, but I think it's going to be really good, man. I'm really, it's an honor to be working with you, man. I, I think that you're great at what you do, bro. So I'm really excited to see how we make a lot of great content going forward about the different nuggets.
0: Man, talk about an honor. I get to have the great Swipe of Cam on my show every week. It's going to be fantastic. We are going to have a grand old time. And let me tell you, man, the post-championship the post uh, the post-championship celebration is going to be <laughs> amazing on this show. It's going to be great. We're going to have a fantastic time. Uh, for everybody else in the comments, make sure to give this a like. Make sure to have a great, great day. Uh, we are going to like enjoy the rest of your weekend before the week starts. We are going to sign off now but really appreciate all the love really appreciate all the support on this show weekends with swipa gonna be a weekend staple for everybody don't know if it's gonna be at noon all the time but this was a great day or in a good time for us to get it started uh for everybody else that is gonna do it for this episode of pickaxe and roll brought to you by superbook sports he is swipa cam i'm ryan blackburn thank you so much everybody for tuning in. We appreciate all the love. We'll see you guys next week.